All right. So there's something very special about the ark, and it's the fact that we have overseers, spiritual leaders that oversee our church, that pastor our pastors, and ensure that we're in right order and right standing um, with Christ. And it's very, very special and something that even if you don't go to the ark and you go to another church, I would certainly look out for in another community that you invest in because it's, it's something that's very, very, very unique and special to, um, to our walk with God. Um, and biblical. So we would like to honor them, and we have some here with us today. And so I'd like to invite Pastor Ryan Suki to come join me, and Pastor uh, Sonny and Pastor Benjamin Robinson to come on up here. So Pastor Sonny, or PS, and Pastor Benjamin, PB, are up here, and they also have overseers who are the Daniels, but I don't think they're here. They're here. Yeah, they, uh, Pastor Robert Daniels was just here a couple weeks ago. You guys got his awesome word, which was very, very, um, very huge blessing. So again, these are the pastors of our pastors. These are overseers of our church. They are spiritually gifted and loved by God and pass on that love that they have um, to us. They pray for us a lot. They give of their time, their instruction, their counsel. They protect us with prayers, and, and PB even a little physically, just in case. <laughs> can protect us if we need it. Uh, they have lots of wisdom, and, uh, and they correct us, which is super important, right? They, they, they correct us if we're, if, we're not, if we're not on the right track um, going after Jesus. So we just want to do a huge thank you. Um, seriously, we would not be here without you all. I, my first time at the Ark, uh, PB and PS were, were, were leading. I remember PB was preaching, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm into this. <laughs> I remember listening to his podcast all the time, and um, the first time I actually brought Bailey was when Pastor uh, Benjamin and Sonny passed on, passed back the Ark to the Longfields, and it was a very special moment, and I was just like, what kind of church does this? <laughs> but... Um, a submitted church, that's the kind of church. A church in right order, you know? A church that's seriously going after, um, after Jesus. Um, so I'd love it if we could pray. Pray for them. And, and Ryan and, and Suki, if you want to say a prayer for them. Too. Uh, I'll kick, kick it off. Um, Father God, we, uh, we are so thankful, Lord for Benjamin Robinson and Sonny Robinson, Father, and for their family, God. We're thankful for the ways in, in which they're submitted and love you, God, the ways in which they um, have invested in us, and ultimately, God, have invested in your kingdom, Lord. The example that they set for our community, Father, the, the fellowship that their community has with our community, Lord, they're just a long list of things to be thankful for, God. And so we come before you with open palms, like he foreheads to the ground and just say, we are thankful, God. Thankful for these two, Lord. And we ask that, that they receive more of you, God, an impartation of more of you, Lord, God. And not, not just because we know that that will likely flow to us, but because we want that. Like, honestly, or, like, we love them, Lord. We love, they, they, they are part of our family, God. They are family, God. And they, they held our family together in times when things could have fallen apart, Lord. And we're just forever so grateful. We would not, very possibly, we would not be celebrating 13 years if it wasn't for these two, Lord. So, uh, yeah, PB and PS, we thank you. We love you. Um, yeah. 
as I was praying and asking the Lord what what uh, to pray over you. One of our priorities for the year as a church is that we would be consumed with his mission. That it would be the thing that we wake up every day thinking about. It would be the thing that we fall asleep dreaming about. And it occurred to me as I was standing here getting ready to pray for you two that you guys embody that so much. The love that you have for his bride, the passion that you have for his world, and just the way that you've set your faces determined to give your lives 100% for his glory is astounding and it serves as kind of a tip of a spear for the rest of this ministry and so as I pray for you I was thinking about all the different things I could pray for and the the word fruitfulness was the thing that I know is the most treasured and honored thing uh, in your hearts and the thing that you, you burn for so much and so Lord just as 150 people here gathered together and more on the on the Ustream, Lord, we ask and come into agreement with all of the prayers that you've put in their hearts. And God, we ask that you would give them the privilege and the honor of being incredibly fruitful in your kingdom. That these two would be two that are, are ones known to be plugged into the vine and that great fruitfulness would flow from them and through them, God. It is the desire of their hearts. It is the desire of your heart. And Lord, I pray, God, that this year would be a year of astounding fruitfulness, God. That, that when we think about the gift that we could ask for on their behalf from you, knowing them and what they care about, that's what we ask for, God. And so we pray that over them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's give them a little uh, clap in honor. Thank you, Alethea, for letting your mommy and daddy be involved in all these awesome things. All right, and then the last really special treat is another one of our overseers. I mentioned uh, the Daniels, and then another overseer is Mama Vera, who I think a lot of you may be uh, familiar with. Um, So we have a a video that she made all the way from Texas. I wish it was Facebook live feed, but it's not. So it was a pre-recorded video that they're popping up. What's up? I'm telling you, I'm so proud of you guys. I don't know what to do. I'm giving you a greeting all the way from Texas and just thankful for you. I'm just going to release this over you. You are a house of love and of honor. Yes, you've seen some ups and downs, but I am so grateful. You, you love Jesus, and that's all that matters is that you love Jesus. Keep loving one another. Keep honoring one another. I'm grateful to even be counted amongst you and your leadership team, your your elders, your, your senior leaders, Ryan and Suki, your just amazing team. And I'm telling you, you guys keep going strong. 13 years and counting. I love you guys. Can't wait to see you. And just keep going strong. Keep going strong. God bless you. Congratulations. Bye-bye.
Amen. Yeah. Well, that was great. Wouldn't you love to have a personalized one of those for you to wake up every morning to just like get you going in the day? That would be good. Also, Mom Bear has a very clear, it's like a Snapchat filter. It looks so good. That's a great skin routine. Okay, so next part is testimony. We love to have testimony. We love to hear what God is doing within our community um, and, and re- yeah, really see how the kingdom is being built um, through our, our community. So I'd like to invite someone up who's going to chat a little bit about remembering God's heart for his people, how his love is steadfast and patient, and how he's committed to us wholly. So please give a huge warm welcome to Estelle Ho. Woo! Hi, fam. Um, my name is Estelle, for those of you who don't know me, and I've been a member of the ARC for five and a half years. Um, yeah. Uh, I serve on the worship team, and I also lead a home group with my husband, Gabe. Um, as Rob said, my testimony today is how God reveals himself as a patient and forgiving father. So some context. I've been through a number of transitions in the past few years. Gabe and I got married. We moved to Oakland. I left full-time college ministry and went to grad school. And then I started working recently in Palo Alto, which is quite a commute. Uh, The most spiritually challenging of these transitions for me was leaving the ministry position I had and experiencing strong anxiety and fear that God was not taking good enough care of the people that I loved. For much of the past two years, my heart has been filled with accusation towards God and his ways, and my eyes have been focused on the areas where I felt God had abandoned the people who put him first. I was essentially putting God on trial for the crime of not meeting my expectations. This was not the first time that God has allowed me to question and doubt his goodness, his love, and his presence. God had already walked me through clinical depression on two separate occasions, through six years of ministry, through dating and engagement, and yet these miracles did not seem like enough to outweigh the emotional and spiritual damage I saw around me. I saw a close friend who had been faithfully serving the Lord for a decade or more, uh, unceremoniously fired from her ministry position at the moment she needed her spiritual community the most. And the dishonor of that and then the collateral sort of damage on the, on the people who, she, who served under her um, was just really hard on me. It really rocked me. In my confusion and my pain, I blamed the Lord. I did not know who else, whom else to hold accountable. How do you let your people harm each other like this? I wondered. Can't you do anything about this mess? What's the point of even praying to you about it when you could have prevented it and you didn't? I don't need to tell you that I was barking up the wrong tree here. When we see Jesus in his life, his death, his resurrection, we know that God is committed to his people beyond what we could ever ask. God is not in the business of controlling his people, even when in their short-sightedness, and sin, they inflict suffering on one another and on him. 
But that is what I wanted from God, to interrupt suffering by any means necessary, including taking away our human agency, the thing that he gave us. Instead, God responded by respecting my choice to be angry with him, even as that anger was based on a misunderstanding of his character. God also surrounded me with people who testified that God was not angry at me for being angry at him. God continued to speak love through friends, through my home group, through leaders in this community, to the extent that I could receive it. In that safety, I was able to express my frustration, my cynicism, deep anxiety, my questions, and I was received with this message. God does not see you as unfaithful in asking these questions, but welcomes you as you are and is walking with you in this darkness. Who is capable of this kind of understanding, of this kind of patient love with a prickly, accusing, mistrustful person? If I were God, I would long ago have abandoned the effort of befriending myself. I am way too insecure to love someone who doubts me constantly. But God is not like me. His ways are not my ways. When someone slaps one of his cheeks, he offers the other. When his sons or daughters run away from home, he eagerly awaits their return and welcomes them home lavishly. He's not concerned with settling the score. He is interested in love that covers over a multitude of sins. Day by day, God is expanding my imagination for what is possible in him because of this enormous patience and steadfastness he has toward us. My ongoing prayer is that I would be more impressed with God's ways than the devil's schemes, and that starts with humbling myself to trust an unfathomably gracious God. Thank you. Thank you, Estelle. Awesome. Don't you love testimonies, man? I feel like I could listen to testimonies all day long. Well, uh, for any new folks here, uh, as I was introduced before, my name is Ryan Longfield, and my wife, Suki Longfield, we're the head pastors of the church. Um, I wanted to thank especially people who aren't members of this church. Can I just get a show of hands of people who aren't members of our church? Thank you for being here today. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like one of those where you've like walked into Thanksgiving dinner at somebody else's house, you know, and they're like doing family business and you're picking up on that family business as they do it. Um, but uh, our desire and our prayer for you is a couple things. I think one, we'd hope that you feel really warm and welcomed here. Um, what we do here every Sunday is we do our best to meet to, first of all, worship Jesus. Um, we talk about his word, we talk about testimonies, we celebrate through worship, but all of this is to magnify the name of our God and to make him front and center every week again and just say, yes, God, this is who you are and anchor ourselves in his promises and remember who he is. And so I think even as we do family business, I hope that you see that and you experience that today. The other thing that we try to do here on Sundays is do it communally. You know, it's, it's easy to log in to a podcast to a church that's, you know, many miles away 
and worship along, although I don't, I've tried that before. It's really hard. Have you guys ever tried that? It's like in my bedroom, you know, um, and, uh, and listen to a sermon, but there's something about gathering together with his people, and there's something that honors God uniquely in the obedience of gathering together with his people, and so we try to do that all together so that we can be fueled and go out into this world and to change this world for his glory. And I hope that as you're here as a guest or as, uh, you know, a non-member listening to our stories and, and the worship and, and seeing the, the testimonies on the wall and everything, that you can see the type of church that we are. And then if you'd like to, come join us. And if, if not, uh, that's fine, too. But thanks for being here. So uh, we're going to do one more piece of kind of uh, business, if you will, and then we're going to move on to Suki coming up. And sharing about the history of our church and God's faithfulness along every step of the way. So that's going to be amazing. But the first thing that I wanted to do is interrupt Steve's lunch that he's having in the back of the church right now. (laughs) The fact that he's eating lunch right now is exactly why I want to honor him and Joy. So if you guys could come up here, that would be amazing. Welcome. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> You're not done. Um, so uh, for those who have been going to the church for a while, you know that Steve and Joy have been serving incredibly faithfully, actually, lesser known fact, as our longest standing ministry leaders. Volunteer ministry leaders. Volunteer ministry leaders, yeah. So they do this every week and have, for, for six years... In case you didn't know that, six years, it's true, because we took back over when McKenna was born, uh, when Kylie, right around Kylie McKenna's birthday, and um, what y'all probably don't know is that the reason why Steve's eating in the back of church, which feels almost, almost inappropriate, by the way, (laughs) just saying. <laughs> Not quite, but almost. Is because they, it takes a long time to do this. Yeah. Like, this doesn't just, you don't just show up and have amazing musical harmony and glory like the, what they bring every week. It takes hard work. They're practicing, they're thinking about song lists all week, they're seeking the Lord to be in a place where they're prepared to lead God's people into, into ministry. And then there's just the, the running the team and following up with leaders and recruiting people who are going to be playing the guitar and melting faces and shredding like Daniel today. That was amazing on the electric guitar. Dude, nicely done. But all of that takes an amazing amount of work and effort. And you guys have been doing it for six years, getting paid this much. That's amazing. That is amazing. And we just want to like thoroughly honor you guys and appreciate you guys. <laughs> she was like, come on. Back pay, six years every week. Yeah. It's in treasures in heaven. And so you have that going for you, which is nice. But in all seriousness, we have been blessed by you guys so much. And um, the, one of the anchor points of this church community specifically 
is how much attention and gravity we put on worship itself. Uh, what we feel like is this entire life is in response to, to God. And through worship, we invite his presence to come and we encounter and interact with the living God. And through that, we're changed and fueled to go out into the world. And so a lot of the ways we make worship the center point to this ministry because we feel like it all starts with our extravagant worship of Jesus, where we give him everything for the glory and honor of his name, not expecting anything in return. Like this is just us loving on our king. And that's why we spend so much time worshiping every week. And you guys have been uh, the ones leading us into that for six years now. So thank you a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. You have something you want to say? Okay. No. Um, so one of the things I just wanted to say, I wanted to honor you guys, because I don't know if anybody knows it's not just Sunday. Like, if you see the lives that these two live, like, they spend every moment that they're not like resting in the brief moments that they do devoted and loving on other people their friends the people in their ministry um honestly like i know you guys get tired sometimes and everything but um just want to honor and know and just like communicate publicly i know i've told you guys this like i think if Ryan and I, Ryan and I have talked a lot, and we just we love you guys so much. Um, we see the cost that you carry, the tax on your marriage, the time, the hours that it takes to love. It's not just showing up here for, you know, the hour that we do worship here. It's like your lives are completely submitted and given to Jesus, and thus you guys do this. And honestly, you. I have never, in the six years, and not that this is wrong to do, heard you guys complain. Ever. You get, you know, like you guys love, and every single thing that you do, you do with honor, you do with joy. You guys, like, we trust you guys. We love doing life and running with you guys, and we feel your support. Like, Sometimes, in fact, we feel your support so much and we love running with you so much that we forget that you guys have so many needs too. And that's, in some ways, one of the biggest compliments that we can give is that we, in a lot of ways, feel like we're doing this and caring and running together with you. We don't, we're not worried that you don't have your relationship with Jesus in a really good place. And that is such a load off. And we really feel like we're carrying this, you guys are carrying this with us, and we just want to express publicly how incredible that is. Thank you for being those that we really, truly feel like we're running with. Um, they are incredible. They're, we, we just are so, so blessed to have them. Um, our quality of worship is something we often take for granted, but it's, it shouldn't be that. You know, it comes on the blood, sweat, tears, and walks of other people. Do you know what I mean? Like, we walk in here, and we get to just sing and experience the presence of Jesus, um, and it's, it's out of sacrifice from others, and so we just wanted to say thank you. Right. <laughs> All right. All right, so we've got more than you, more for you than just hugs and stuff. 
What we're going to do is we're going to put a Venmo up here. It's Steve's Venmo. And so if you're a member of this church, don't feel obligation, but feel obliged <laughs> to blow up his phone right now. It's the only time in church, other than looking at your e-Bible, e your e-sword, that will allow you to look at your, uh, your phone in church. But pull that thing out, and let's just love on them super big time. Let's, you know, they like going to Las Vegas. For, for, for holy reasons, not for, not for gambling and debauchery, but for plays and good food and laying by the pool and stuff like that. Let's, let's blow them up in a way where they can go do something amazing together and we can show them how much we love them. So that's his Venmo. Steve, what's your PayPal? SJYang27 at Gmail. SJYang27 at Gmail. So you got PayPal, you got Venmo. If you don't have one of those apps on your phone, I don't know what's going on. And he also takes cash money. That's right. If you, if you want to come drop some cash money at his feet, that's good too. <laughs> he does not take checks, however. I'm just kidding. He takes checks. Okay. Uh, with that, as you continue to do that. Oh, we got our first cash giver. That's it right there. If you want to come up and give cash, that's fine. It's not going to be disruptive. I'm going to invite Suki up here to share with us some more. I don't even know how to transition out of that. It's just, I don't even, oh my gosh. Okay. Okay, I'm going to need to pray because my brain is in a totally different space. Jesus, I'm, I just thank you so much um, for your faithfulness to this community. <sighs> Yeah. We thank you, Father God, that we stand here by grace and grace alone. Yeah. This is today not a celebration of us, but a celebration of you and your faithfulness to us over time. So thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so, um, I was looking at these pictures on the wall, and whenever I look at them, um, I get kind of weepy because and I know this is true for every community, but it feels like we've been through a lot, you know, and I see the faces, and I look at the people who were here when we began, and the people who are here now, but there is a part of me that recognizes that we're people who are here that are not here right now. And so I just want to take a moment and just um, say that as we celebrate this, there's also recognition that, um, again, none of this happened in isolation. We, Ryan and I did not choose to build a church. This was not a plant this was not sponsored by some denomination, you know. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, um, I wanted to kind of spend a little bit of time kind of going over our history. I think anniversaries are really special because anniversaries are the perfect time to kind of stop and reflect. Um, <clears throat> 
I remember when I showed up in Berkeley in 1997, I was a freshman in college, and um, terrified, hated the city. I mean, seriously, like some of you guys may love it inherently, like the first moment you stepped here, you loved it. I was not one of those people. The first moment I came here, I was like, oh God, deliver me. What the heck, right? And, um, and at that time, I remember I didn't even know Jesus really. And very, very quickly after I got saved, and, um, and a lot of different things kind of happened. And where the story kind of connects with the ark is I remember in um, about 2000, a group of people um, who were all InterVarsity alum at the time just started getting really hungry for the Lord. We were, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 people total. And just started meeting and praying. And the Lord just started showing up. The Holy Spirit started showing up really powerfully. And, and at that time in the landscape of Berkeley, we, this was a very, very non-charismatic, friendly place. This was a place that had more church buildings per block, perhaps, but very, very little active engagement with the presence of God. And when we were meeting, the presence of God was started to fall like crazy. We didn't even know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. We just knew that when we met, our little group of 10 or 15 started growing. Friends would start showing up in the apartment that we were meeting in, and people would get saved. All of a sudden, whenever we started praying, people would get delivered. They'd walk into where we were, and demons would start fleeing and coming out. And we were experiencing the beginnings of something that we had no concept, no language, no precedent for where we lived. And all we knew was how come no one ever told us Christianity could be like this? No one told us when we were going to these churches and meetings that your socks could be blown off every single time you came to meet with Jesus. Something would happen. And in fact, it was so, we were so sure something would happen. Some people, sometimes we didn't even want to go because we didn't know what God was going to do. We're like, oh, something's going to happen. Someone's going to get delivered. Do I want to confront that thing in my heart? And in, I think about two years, somewhere between 20 to 30 of our friends all got saved. Um, Nancy is actually one of our, our friends. And I remember at that period of time, we started praying. We're like, we want to see the presence of God come in such a tangible, palpable way to the city of Berkeley, unlike anything we've ever seen before. And we didn't know why. We didn't have college campuses and all this iteration and talk about revival's got to come to the college campuses. None of that existed at that point in time. All we knew was something was really, really special and unique about this campus for us. And then God started to speak to us. Like the Bay Area and Berkeley is a really, really interesting and special place. And can you begin to imagine if the place got set on fire? 
with people who knew that God was not boring. He wasn't just asking rules of us. He wasn't just asking us to come and sit in a, in, in, in a pew, but rather he wanted to engage us. He wanted to set us free from things. He wanted us to have a faith and a life in him that was going to revolutionize and change not only ourselves, but the world that we lived in. What would that be like? And we were on our faces, and we were praying, and we kept praying, and we would pray sometimes for like hours and hours and hours. We'd start to meet at 8 8 p.m., and we wouldn't even sometimes get up off the floor till like 5 or 6 a.m., and we were just like, God, just keep coming, keep coming. And I remember even as people graduated, there was always a remnant of people who were like, God, come to Berkeley. Come here. Come touch the college campus. Come and meet us. We want to see you in ways that we have never seen before. It needs to become more real than anything we've ever experienced. You have to be more real than the person that is sitting right next to me. I need to hear you talking to me in ways like dreams, visions. Show up in the flesh. And these were the cries of our heart constantly. And some people would come and some people would go. But then I remember um, we had just kind of got, Ryan and I had just kind of gotten married. And um, two two months, no, seriously, I know I'm just fast-forwarding through, but we had just gotten married and we ran into Sarah Yang. And we were sitting at a cafe and the Lord started impressing upon, had been sharing with Sarah about wanting to have um, a group of people start to pray for revival in Berkeley. And there, like I said, there's always kind of a contingency of people who are here and some people who had left, but all of them were kind of interconnected with each other. And at that time, the Lord started speaking to people. Some people were in Kansas City IHOP. There were some people who were in um, the Justice House of Prayer. There were some people who were in um, other countries in Israel. And the Lord started speaking to them, start fasting and praying for the city of Berkeley. And they all, I don't know how it happened. Sarah has this incredible ability to bring people together from faraway places. And as, as the Lord started speaking, and as we also joined with her, um, the, the date, February 17th, came up, and that is our anniversary. And the Lord said, we want, I want you guys to start to pray and fast for the city of Berkeley. And he brought together the finances. He brought together through a series of miracles. During one of the rainiest years that we had had, um, and probably still have had. And so on the day that we began, it was raining, and it was snowing on every continent. And it just felt like something really special was starting. And for 40 days and 40 nights, without ceasing, a group of people just prayed and cried out to Jesus. And nobody knew what it was going to be. No one was saying, let's do a church plant. Let's start a church. We're just like, God, you are speaking to us that you want to do something in our region, in our area. And for some reason, the burden is not lifting and you're making a way for this to come to pass. And as we started to pray, the Lord started to show up and he started to speak. And one of the key verses that this church was built on was in John 15. And it said, abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. 
So that beginning of the ark was very heavily based in abiding in God. I think if you guys know, the Bay Area is an incredibly ambitious, incredibly busy place. People, everyone is running around working really hard to just live here and be here and to establish their careers and their education and whatever. It's, it's such a crazy place that people pursue excellence. And yet God was saying, I want you guys to just abide. You know, we had all these people who are used to going to churches and serving and doing all this stuff. And God's like, no, I don't want that. I want you to just know me. I want you to just sit in my presence and let go of your striving. And what he said was in verse 15, no longer do I call you slaves. For the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. And then he took it a little further in Romans 8, and he said, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And we've, if we are children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. And I felt like that really encapsulated where we were in the very, in the beginning, like, I don't want you to just do what I tell you. I know that you guys love me and you guys want to do, if I tell you to jump, you'll jump. If I make it really clear I want you to go there, you'll go there. But I don't just want that for me. I don't want you to be my slave. I'm inviting you. If you are really my child, I'm not treating you like a child that is one. I want you to be a child that is grown up and reigning and ruling with me. You are set free. I care what you think. I want, I am interested in your heart. I want you to live as if you are a partner with me, establishing my kingdom here on earth. And for that, you need to know my heart. You need to spend time with me. It can't just, it doesn't just come from running around and doing. It is by being. And I felt like the Lord was saying to us, I don't want you to just do this for 40 days. I want you to do this and continue to do this. And so in the beginning, we didn't know how long this thing would go for, really. Every year, we'd re-examine and we'd say, hey, are we going to be here next year? And I remember there was a point, um, it's kind of funny if you take a look, there's this point where Ryan, Dennis, and I get ordained, and that was three years in. And it took us three years. Before that, we everyone would ask us who we were, we're like, we're the leaders. They're like, are you a cult? What, what exactly is this? And we're like, okay, okay, we're going to go get ordained and do this properly. And um, at that point, we transitioned into being called pastors, and it was really weird for a, real, for a while. You know, we were these random group of people who actually kind of bucked the system, did not like Orthodox church structure and institutionalized religion. You know, it was not a thing. We're like, the more organic it is, the more we like it. And the more structured it is, the less we like it. And it took a really long time, I remember, for us to even embrace anything else. And <laughs> yes, so enter uh, Pastor Benjamin and Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> 
I remember about um, three or four years in, right, after we got ordained and we're like, let's get serious. If we really want to see revival happen in Berkeley, it's not just going to happen by people somehow randomly finding our house, which is pretty much how it happened. We had no flyers, no website, and our website, even when we had it, was wrong. (laughs) And people would show up at our doorstep somehow just hearing the music, or some God would give them a word by some random person, or they'd read Sarah's book somehow, and then look for us really, really, really ardently. And every time we're like, okay, this isn't probably good for people who are really looking for a church. And if we really want to see revival happen, this is probably not the best strategy. And so as we started to try to get organized, honestly, I think those first two years, there was a lot of resistance. And as you guys may know, part of our history is like our church almost fell apart. We didn't have a really great structure at the time. Um, We were pastors, but pastors in name, but we really only functioned as like a democratic uh, voting party (laughs) of how things were going to happen. And the whole thing just wasn't working. And eventually, there, I think, differences in theology and beliefs started to arise. And that's when we, we realized we needed some help. And Pastor Benjamin and Sonny came in during a time when our church literally almost fell apart. And for those of you guys who do not know, without these two, we would have, we would not have today. I mean, through the Lord, but still through a really high cost and price for the two of them. They were already running their own church. They didn't even actually know us very well at the time at all, and neither us them. All we knew was that the Lord sent them, and so we said, okay, if that's the case, then we're going to do this, and we're going to obey whatever God does and says through them. And when they came, they brought a permission to have order that we never had before. And it was amazing. It was like, we're going to have meetings, and we're going to have agendas. Praise the Lord. We're going to have songs, and we're going to put the words up. (laughs) And we can't just take two months off every year because we feel like it. (laughs) It's true. We used to take two months off every year just because we didn't want to do it. Um, We needed a break. And (laughs) Jesus... And for those two years that Benjamin and Sonny ran everything, I think some people were like, man, we're not, the, we're not who we used to be. Who are we now? Are we even prophetic anymore? <laughs> yes, but we were very disorganized. So disorganized, we almost crumbled and imploded. So we need to get organized. If you're going to really think about revival for a city, you have to get organized. Even Moses, the Lord commanded him at some point, you need to get organized. And I really felt like the, the order and the apostolic covering that they brought brought us into an era of safety that empowered us to be able to move forward. And, and so, yeah, I just want you guys, could you guys stand up again? I just want to, like, ask. Thank you. 
<laughs> yeah. You guys really have done so much for us. And, um, and I remember there was a period of time, it was so magical, your, t- your, your coming in, was we, Ryan and I actually had been trying to have a child for uh, five to six years. And immediately, the last, the, the day that I did my last act um, as a operating pastor was the day we found out we were pregnant with McKenna. And then we had Kylie also within that period. And then they came and they said, it's time for you guys to come back. (laughs) I kid you not. We're like, wait, what? (laughs) We're really liking this. You guys running everything. (laughs) And I felt like the Lord spoke to us at that point because I think there really was a little terror in our hearts. And we're like, "Um, how do we go back? Because Ryan has a full-time job. And motherhood was very, very difficult for me. And the Lord was, was telling us that he was going to equip us. If he called us to, t- to climb this mountain, he would give us what we needed. And that was when things started to shift in how Ryan preached. And his prep time shifted and changed dramatically. It went from having to take an entire week to prep a sermon to being able to do it within um, a few hours of the day of. And there was just so many different changes that kind of happened. And during that time, one of the things that really... Brian and I were crying, and we're like, God, how are we going to do this? Um, and he said, you guys need help. You need uh, a team, and you need someone to be able to support you. And at that point in time, I remember the word was, you need an executive director. And we were like, God, we know how hard this is. We don't know how we would ever actually ask someone to do this. So you need to tell that person yourself. <laughs> Christina Boyles Heisel, will you please stand up? (laughs) And um, I want to honor Christina and John, actually. I don't know if you guys know this, and I'm going to toot your little horn for a little bit, Christina. This girl was, is brilliant. She's like a freaking genius. Like when she, she has scholarships, she's been able to do all sorts of nonprofit work. Her heart really beats for the, wor- the world and in so many ways not to build the church exclusively. But her gifts and her talents are so unparalleled that I feel like the Lord in that, in, in that season was like, she would be the perfect person. And like I said, we asked, but we said, you know, you have to hear from the Lord for this because we know that this would be costly. And the reason she's one of the people that we trust the most is because she did. She went and asked Jesus. She, was, she didn't do it for us. She didn't do it to build the ark. She was like, okay. I'm going to hear from the Lord. And it's come at a very high cost to their family. And because of the work that she's done, we've been able to establish an incredible staff. We've been able to establish incredible excellence in our organization to allow and empower Ryan and I to do this. 
Most pastors are full-time pastors. Ryan has a full-time job that is incredibly demanding that even for the normal person would probably take 60 to 80 hours a week. And then he does this. There's no way that we would be able to do this without what Stina contributes. She runs our team, she runs our staff, all of it. She trains them. I mean, it's amazing. And she brings the excellence that normally would be brought into a workplace to the body of Christ and offers it as a sacrifice and a gift to Jesus to build this house. So, yeah, so we thank you, Stina. And we thank you, John, for the cost and the sacrifice of this on your family as well. When we talk about sustained revival, when we talk about what this house is built on, we really are talking about a people who really know the presence of God. Being able to live in the Bay Area, a place that is, I would venture to say, pretty unrivaled in its influence globally. Like the things that happen in the Bay Area are crazy influential in what takes place in the world. The tech industry, every, a lot of the things that happen. The, someone once prophesied, I think, like that this is the, like the head, like the brain, the ideas that kind of come out of this region influence so many of the ideas that start to happen worldwide. And so that's not how we were naturally thinking about it when we were praying for revival, but I think God is pretty strategic in saying, what if a people, a remnant of the people who love me, who live in this area in a place that feels like it's a stronghold for humanism, what if those people are different? What if those people burn with a passion for my name and can go and show the world who I am. What could that be like? And so when the Lord started to speak to us about revival, it's, it is about him encountering us in passionate, powerful ways in our own walks with the Lord. It is Jesus transforming and bringing people into the kingdom of God, but it is also Jesus showing up everywhere that we go. And so I feel like in this season, one of the things that um, the Lord is going to be speaking to us is really anchoring us in the centrality and the rootedness of who Jesus is and what the gospel is. Because I believe that right now we are in a cultural hot spot where the spirits of the age of the ideas that will permeate till the end until Jesus returns become very, very paramount. And we are at odds and at war with those ideas. And it is going to be incredibly imperative that the people in the church of God know who Jesus is, know what the Bible says, and 
can, can stand through it. And so in this season, as we're talking about, you know, how do we face a world that is talking about suffering and justice? And how do we face a world that wants all these things and is so easily agitated by everything? How do we become a people that are not agitated but are peacemakers and speak truth and carry light and love and truth to the places that we go. It is imperative that we know who our God is and know our rightful place in relationship to him. And so I believe that in this next season, as we continue to believe God for sustained revival, for revival that is not going to just come in an instant through one encounter with the Holy Spirit, but one that is sustained over time that will change our generation till Jesus comes back, it is imperative that we know who he is and who we are. And so this year, we're going to really root ourselves in making sure that our hearts and our faith and our walk and our theology is not convenient for us, but rather comes from him and that we obey and we live our lives in accordance to that. We are no longer talking about a faith that is convenient, that that tickles our ears, that just makes us feel good, that's just about what God gives us. That is not the gospel, but rather the second part of this, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The last part, yes, we are called as sons and daughters, but we are now also called to this last part of this. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. There is another part to being a child and a son of God. It is to be willing to be like our God all the way through. We do not have a God that just came to talk about the good things. We have a God that says, are you willing to look like me all the way till I come back? And that is where we're going, church. Revival looks like the whole message. And we're going to talk a lot about the full narrative of the gospel this year. So. So happy anniversary, everyone. And for those of you guys who are here and want to be along for the ride, this is where this train is going. Amen. Amen.